Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good morning. It is Tuesday, September 29th. You're listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott. I'm joined today for the first time ever by Brendan Sinone, reporter for Knowles 24-7. Brendan, you guys are... um, you're pretty used to dealing with with bad football at this point over in Tallahassee, and your column yesterday, or I should say Sunday, um, titled "This Has to Be Rock Bottom," right, uh, was was pretty good, and a lot of people read it. So I wanted to get you on and 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 see what sort of inspired you to to write a rock bottom column so early in the season, but <laughs> it, it certainly feels accurate. Well, thank you for having me on. Yeah, I guess I've become. On, for better or worse, pretty adept. The whole Knowles 24-7 crew has it, a kind of digesting of bad performances on the football field in recent years. And I think that was kind of the the impetus of that column. The motivation was we're watching the game. You know, we sent one person travels fairly restricted right now because of everything going on in the in the world. So I'm there in person and I want to paint a picture and I'm watching the game and I'm trying to think of like the details of you know, what's going wrong is Florida State is is already out of the game by halftime. And I'm like, okay, well, I could start writing a column now instead of like breaking down the plays and, and getting into the analytics of like what the game is, is showing statistically or, or anecdotally. I think it was better to go big picture because this, isn't, this is not the first time that I've covered an FSU debacle the last few years. This isn't the first time the fan base has been disappointed with a rivalry game or, or a game in, in general. And I think that's what I want to reflect on was this swift decline in the last few years, starting with going back to like 2016 with Jimbo Fisher and some of the the wrinkle or some of the, the warts that started to kind of show in the program. And then obviously 2017 with uh, DeAndre Francois getting hurt and, and Jimbo Fisher having a foot out the door, the Willie Taggart, the very brief Willie Taggart tenure. And then you know, early on here in, in the Mike Norvell era, it just has seemed trade to get progressively worse each year and then you kind of keep wondering like when when is this bottom out and and that's the question I just wanted to to propose to to readers because I don't know the answer like is this legitimately rock bottom I don't know yeah uh, one of my favorite parts of this column was you, you know you 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 present this as rock bottom and then you go back and I love I love it you go you know I thought 2017 and you mentioned a game or 2016 might have been rock bottom you mentioned 2017, Boston College beats Florida State 35-3. to That could have been rock bottom. 2018, five-game losing stretch under Willie Taggart. That could have been rock bottom. 2019, I remember this well. Florida State almost loses to Louisiana Monroe. Should have lost. 
uh, a week yeah. after losing to Boston College and like, or uh, um, after losing to uh, Boise State and how that, you know, was probably rock bottom. So I guess like when you look at Miami 52, Florida State 10, like who, who deserves most of the, the blame here? So as when you texted me about like 30 minutes ago and we were trying to figure out time to do the podcast, I was like finishing out grocery shopping because I was traveled yesterday. I wanted to get groceries for the week real quick. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, all right, is Trey's going to ask me who I put blame on for this? And I just had a feeling that question was going to come. And I was starting to do like math in my mind. All right, all right like 30% Jimbo and 20% Willie and, and 50% Norvell. But the truth is, it starts at the top, man. Like the administration for FSU, the players and the administration are pretty much the constants that we've seen because of all the coaching influx for the last four or five years. It's been the administration's been more or less the same. And, you know, a lot of these players like James Blackman we've seen is, is for better or worse has been at the heart of, of this dumpster fire. And I feel bad for James because he's been failed by the adults in this equation, but you know, the, the Jimbo Fisher, basically get that relationship devolving to the point where it was untenable. The adults in the room there, whether it was the booster heads at the time or the administration and Jimbo, like they all failed the players in my mind, you know, back a few years ago, uh, rushing through the Willie Taggart hire and not doing a full vetting process. Like, again, that falls on administration too. They deserve some of the criticism here. They don't get off scot-free. And then, you know, Mike Norvell, it's so early on in the tenure for me to say like, uh, to place blame on him, but he's coaching like his falls on him at this point, although he wasn't coaching on Saturday because uh, he was out with, with the COVID, but with a positive COVID test. So it, it it's not one entity, it's multiple. And, and I think you can fairly argue to place blame on multiple people in, in different degrees of blame. This started about five years ago with Jimbo Fisher's personal life kind of devolving and him becoming extremely difficult to work with and work for. Uh, there was, I'll share this with, with your listeners, like in 2017, you know, Jimbo Fisher had his foot out the door tray. Like he was negotiating with Texas A&M and think about like poor James Blackman's a true freshman quarterback thrown into the fire and his coach isn't fully engaged. Well, Randy Sanders, the offensive coordinator, he had apparently had a, a countdown calendar in his office until when his contract expired because he was so tired of working with Jimbo Fisher. And so the two guys who had their hands in the cookie jar and developing James Blackman, who's still the starting quarterback. And, and then you could start saying, is that the fault of Willie Taggart or, or Mike Norvell for allowing that to be the case and not having adequate you know, plan B's? Uh, there's just been a lot of failures all across the board at Florida state. And, and I can't rightly blame it on like one person or another. Yeah, that makes sense. So you mentioned the, the maybe a rushed hiring process of Willie Taggart who went five and seven in 2018. And then uh, according to college level reference uh, that I'm looking at four and five before he was fired. So, you know, a short amount of time, like, can you compare and contrast the Willie Taggart hiring process with the Mike Norvell hiring process? Cause I, w- I want to make sure that like history didn't repeat itself in hiring <laughs> Mike Norvell. The, the hiring process for Mike Norvell was tedious. It was in depth. It was exhaustive. It was, uh, they hired a, a coach searching firm for it. It was very in-depth. It was weeks, uh, maybe a month in the making, I think. It was it was a blur now that I think back about it. It was, it was yeah. so crazy with all the rumors and stuff. Uh, conversely, to paint the picture of what the Willie Taggart hiring process looked like, I remember our, our boss, Pat Tholey, after, after, after Jimbo Fisher left, Josh was asked to put a hot board together. 
because Josh Newberg is a coaching insider and very well connected throughout the industry. So Pat texts him, like, hey, you know, thinking about putting a hot board together. Josh's response was, Willie Taggart is the hot board. We didn't even put a hot board together because we knew that's who FSU had zeroed in on. They had talked of two, I think they interviewed probably that we could have confirmed maybe three or four different coaches. Uh, a coach Franklin from Penn State was one. Gary Patterson was was rumored, but I don't know that to be 100% fact. So there's a couple guys, but they were zeroed in. I think Charlie Strong from USF was was at least discussed too. Uh, Willie Taggart, though, was the one they, zo- they zeroed in on. The negotiations started very early. Uh, when Jimbo Fisher put in his resignation letter uh, at, at the end of the regular season, Chris Nee and I are watching this all happen on the bench. I'm going to plug the podcast there. We were on the bench. We watched Jimbo Fisher talking to his agent, Jimmy Sexton. We see Jimbo Fisher get a have a handed a piece of paper from Jimmy Sexton. Chris Nee tells Jimbo Fisher, watches him go to President John Thrasher's office on the other side of campus. So the assumption is that's when the resignation letter occurs because they release about an hour later that Jimbo Fisher has resigned. Well, Jimmy Sexton in the meantime goes up to the office as well. And we're told he starts negotiating the Willie Taggart contract right then and there. Jimbo Fisher was not even outside of Tallahassee when they were negotiating with Willie. So very, very different uh, processes there for FSU. When Mike Norvell was hired, did you think this is, this is the right guy? And I'm not saying he's not, I'm, I'm, I'm actually confident that eventually like he's going to have enough time Maybe because Willie Taggart didn't to get this turned around after this 0-2 start. But Brendan, did you did you think, all right, this is the guy to bring Florida State back? I'll be transparent. I felt pretty good about the Willie Taggart hire. So maybe my <laughs> maybe my uh, expertise in this area is it is it all that great? But uh, I think Willie made some missteps and what he thought the program was going to be. And Mike Norvell is going to get more time than Willie Taggart largely because the money that it took to buy out Willie Taggart and the financial situation, Florida State's athletic program was not great before the COVID era. Now the COVID era and what, what that's going to do to the athletic department is going to absolutely assure Mike Norvell of more time than Willie Taggart, unless this is a complete and unmitigated disaster. If they keep losing by 42 points every single game, then maybe that there's some impetus for change. But I think you know, Norvell's going to get time to to rectify things. Uh, but but I, I like what Mike Norvell has done at Memphis. I really like the coaching staff he put together. It was a really nice blend of, of all proven coaches, but some who've worked with Coach Norvell, others who are coming from, from areas in the Southeast with different recruiting ties, uh, and all proven and all had good good resumes. Um, but I can't sit here and confidently tell you after two games that like I'm sure Mike Norvell is going to get the job done. I mean, this is, like I said, there's a lot of internal issues with this program both from the administrative side and booster side, all the way through uh, the way players have been developed uh, for the last several years. So there's a lot of corrosiveness, and I touched on this in the column, that that Mike Norvell has to kind of sift through. Uh, whether or not he's able to, I just I don't know when the like what changes, when it changes, how you start turning things around. Because he has to get these kids to buy in to him after they've been burned by multiple coaches and failed by the adults many times. I I don't know, Trey, when when that happens, how it happens. Uh, Mike Norvell's right now, I, I fear that there's a dynamic where players don't trust him because they've been burned so much before. And when the on-field results aren't very good to start, you start losing some of that. So I think we're going to see like a kind of a churn and burn coming up here. I think he's going to allow guys to leave if they want to leave. I think he wants to bring in his own guys. And if he's given the time, like you said, then he has a chance. But 
but I think we're at the point now where patience is a must for FSU fans if you if you want to hope for something that's going to take a few years to to see some sort of results. Yeah, it's really hard to dig your way out of a hole once you're in it, mm-hmm. and once you're national power, like you know Texas, Tennessee, Michigan, USC, Nebraska, yeah, yeah, USC, yeah. Nebraska's probably never coming back, and it's hard to recruit when you're losing and when your players might you know not be clearly bought in. And, and Florida State's at, at 18 in the country right now in 2021, so we'll see if that gets any better. Last one before I let you go, Brendan. Like we we talked about long term not sure what it's going to take, you know, churn and burn, get the youth movement involved. You wrote about that in the short term. Uh, it's, it's Jackson, Jacksonville state, mm-hmm. not to be confused with Deion Sanders is Jackson state. I've heard uh, like a second next. there when that happened. I was like, Oh my God. I was like, Oh no, I, I did not, too. That wasn't happening. <laughs> I did too. So that's an FCS FCS opponent, but they're always kind of talented. And then you've got Notre Dame, <laughs> North Carolina, Louisville, Pitt, NC State, whatever, you know, Clemson, Virginia Duke. So there's there's some wins there and there's some losses. I no no idea of predicting, you know, the rest of the, the record, but as you said, right, like patience is a virtue. And are you expecting a massive youth movement to to get going here in Tallahassee? maybe Chubba Purdy, freshman quarterback, once he gets cleared, or, or Tate Rodemacher, like are they gonna change quarterbacks or are they going massive youth scale to to sort of give some hope to the fan base? I think that they have to, we talked about this on the podcast today and Chris, Chris summed it up really well. He's like, you want a youth movement in the sense that like the fans want it. Some people want it to be a complete and total, like rip off the bandaid and just let's let it start healing. Now, the downside of that is we go back to James Blackman in 2017. Like you throw a freshman into the fire without a great supporting cast or without the infrastructure around him to succeed you have the chance to ruin that player for the long time, for the long term. Against Miami, we saw Lawrence Tofilly looked really nice. The running back from from South Florida, from St. Pete area, looked really sharp with uh, with the action he got in the second half. Tate Rotomaker did some good things at quarterback. He did some bad things. He made some rookie mistakes, including a, a forced uh, ball into like triple coverage that was intercepted. But James Blackman was doing the same thing. Uh, so I don't have an issue, Trey, with, with FSU trotting out freshmen or – or underclassmen, if the upperclassmen aren't getting it done, I just warn fans like it, it's not going to look pretty. You're probably going to regress even more than you already have. Potentially that 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 it can exist where it just, I mean, it's already embarrassing. You're losing by 42 points to a to a rival, but you're looking at throughout the rest of the season like it could be pretty ugly because the recruiting, frankly, hasn't been great, especially by Florida State standards. They're kind of finishing in the 15 and a 20 range the last few years. That's where they're kind of sitting and living right now until they're able to really change that dynamic, start getting top 10 classes again, get difference makers on both sides of the ball. Uh, You're kind of living with a fairly pedestrian roster that's been severely underdeveloped the last few years. I I do want to see either whether it's Chuppa Purdy once he's cleared with the shoulder, he was traveling with the team at Miami. He didn't really do anything like in terms of pregame warmups and throw the ball a little bit. So He's still coming back from the shoulder injury, but I would like to see him whenever that time comes. Maybe in an ideal world, if he gets cleared this week against Jacksonville State, you get some packages for him in there. I think you want to see Tate Rotomaker a little bit more. I just warn fans to be a little skeptical with what you're going to see if you do decide to go full on, like let's just play the entire freshman class and just let them figure it out. That You do run the risk of, of those guys floundering a little bit and setting that development back some. So it's a balancing act, Trey, but you do have to start making some changes sooner or later here. And I I think we'll start seeing that gradually 
uh, this week coming up and, and maybe a little bit more as the season goes on. Got it. Makes sense. Well, yeah, it, it might be a long season, but fingers crossed for you uh, that, that this has indeed been rock bottom. And I'm sure you're ready to start covering a winner again. Brandon Sinone, thank you for joining us. You can follow him on Twitter at Sinone. My name is Trey Scott. Our producer is Tiny Levitt. Thank you so much for listening to the College Football Daily. We'll talk to you all on Wednesday. begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.